Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written published article, Who Is at the Helm? 
from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar and you get a better buzz. <laughs> with the Savage Premium. So go to go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the Savage Nation podcast. I suggested I would read from the political zoo about Nancy Pelosi, but I was looking through it. This political zoo book is still relevant, by the way. I was looking at it, and I said, you know, my listeners would love to see the political zoo today. Of course, they'd like to see new characters added, like they'd love me to write one about Biden, about Harris, but I haven't done that. But I'm going to dip into the political zoo today because it was eerily ahead of its time. As you can see by what's going on today, everyone can see through the phoniness, not only of the Democrats, but of the Republicans as well, many of them. As I said back in 2007, big government Republicans lost the election, not conservatism. Don't forget that, I said. State ballot initiatives saw affirmative action rejected in Michigan. Homosexual marriage defeated in four more states and limits on benefits for legal aliens, even in liberal Arizona. That was in 07. Okay. But then I wrote this. The political zoo warns Americans not to be fooled by labels, but to study the actual policies of political animals, all of whom are known by their ability to camouflage their true intentions. It's more true today than it was then. You know, I may as well begin by reading the introduction before I read any further. Welcome to our real national zoo. Aristotle said man is a political animal. He was right in ways he could never have imagined. What's more, today's political man is the most bestial of the herd. Just look around. The world of politics is filled with uncivilized, snarling, rapacious beasts that, like untrained mutts, raise their legs and urinate on everything we hold dear. Where have you gone, Rin Tin Tin? Our nation turns its lonely eyes to you. I scarcely exaggerate. Even my humble dog, Teddy, behaves better than most political animals. Like just about all dogs, Teddy is loyal. He protects or at least tries to. He doesn't bite the hand that feeds him. He is man's best friend. Politicians, by and large, are none of the above. Except for the toga and pederasty, Aristotle would have fit in perfectly in today's political arena. Well, a toga, anyhow. He thought government could function best if we all behaved as bees. His ideal society was one in which every citizen drone served the queen bee. And the queen bee ensured the survival of the hive and governed the issues of life and death with an unquestioned authority. Today's queen, today's queen bee, Hillary Clinton, would love nothing more. Of course, substitute the name Nancy Pelosi. I'll go on. This was written back in 2006. Remember when this book was published? In case you want to know who the originator of most of the ideas on the right side of the platform are in the media, it's me. 
You see, Aristotle had a very low view of the average person. He thought they wouldn't or shouldn't be able to make their own decisions. He thought they should be told what to do, trained like dumb animals. But our American founders knew better. They knew that men and women could band together for their common good, as they did when they declared their independence from King George. But the founders also knew that maintaining such a free democracy would be a challenge. And so as Benjamin Franklin left the long convention that had finally drafted a constitution, he announced what kind of government had been created, but added a warning, quote, a republic, if you can keep it, unquote. Well, the verdict is still out. Today, the free-thinking men who founded and formed our great country have been replaced by the greedy zoo creatures that now run wild through our streets, across our TV screens, and down and into our hallowed halls of government. Darwin was not only wrong, it appears he had it exactly backwards. And the risk of losing our republic continues to grow along with the swelling of our government, our taxes, our illegal immigrant population, and our cultural degeneracy. Still, it's not the people of America who should be enslaved and caged up. It's our leaders. Now, remember, I wrote this in 2006. And all of this sounds familiar to you because all of the other copycats who make believe they wrote the Constitution itself learned from the master, me. I'll continue now. Yeah, I'm blowing my own horn. If you don't like it, Hank, just don't listen to the podcast. Because if I'm not for myself, who will be? The American political system is a zoo. It's filled with an amazing array of animals. The squawking birds of the liberal aviary, the chatter class monkeys, disdainful of the average American citizen, the microscopic political slime molds of the capital reflecting pools, and the tidal basin, the deceptively cute denizens of the progressive petting zoo, hand-fed with tax dollars, and the big game, including elected elephants and jackasses, all too comfortable in their collegial preserve and unaware of the lethal hold of the Potomac pox that has infected them. And that's what the Disney empire, this Washington Zoo, has set up its squawking franchises in other sites, most notably in Hollywood, where the birds of paradise sing and shriek from their gold-plated perches. In that part of the world where Iran Mullah supporting Sean Penn can pass for a pacifist, Kabbalah babbling Madonna can pass for a religious Jewish scholar of mysticism, and Rock Hudson could pass for a man's man. And on the Hudson, where the United Nations complex houses exotic imports, including chameleons and vipers that deserve a particularly firm hand and a watchful eye. And that's why this book is relevant, not just funny. It's a guidebook to the world's political zoo, a reference for identifying the fierce beasts, pesky pests, dangerous reptiles, and menacing birds of prey that make up today's wild jungle of culture and politics. It will help you identify and label each of these unruly rulers. As I lead you through the zoo, we will encounter a wide array of cold-blooded politicos and bird-brained pundits. Every grunting, yelping, squawking breed of fish, fowl, or beast, from the porcupine called Bill O'Reilly, a large terrestrial rodent well-protected by its prickly exterior, to the mutated Long Island parrot Howard Stern, who was bred accidentally on one of the island's many toxic waste sites and has an uncanny ability to mimic the most vile comments that it hears and play them back with an added layer of verbal sewage. We'll explore the natural habitat of the Kerry dolphin. The flipper family of toothless dolphins luxuriate in the protected coves of Cape Cod, Martha's Vineyard in the south of France. 
We'll take a look at the mating rituals of the oily armored toad, Hugo Chavez. Its mating habits are mostly unknown, but most implications point to an excessive fetish for the almost extinct island species, the Cubanus dictatorum conbeardus. And uh, we'll probe the dangers of the Ruth Gator Ginsburg. This unseemly creature is easily the most aggressively progressive animal on the political zoo's kangaroo court and regularly tries to subvert the zoo's rules. And the Al Sharkton, maybe it's just me, but whenever I see him appear on the scene of some political event or racially charged situation, I swear I can hear the Jaws theme playing in the background. And we'll even get a glimpse of some circus sideshow attractions in the political zoo, including the high-flying, death-defying, freak-turned-ringmaster wolf boy, Bill Clinton. His was less of a presidency, really, than a French farce. Yes, all of the most popular and infamous creatures of the political landscape, some good, some bad, some friendly, and some ferocious, are recognized and analyzed in this particular guidebook. So join the good doctor, your resident biologist and trusty zookeeper, as we pass the cages of today's political beasts. But remember to obey the rules. One, do not try to pet the animals. Although many appear domesticated, almost all have a worse bite than weak old guacamole. Two, do not feed the animals. They receive far too many handouts, and most of their bellies are already stuffed with government pork. Three, do not leave your valuables unattended. Many of these scavengers are experts at taking your hard-earned money and using it to feather their own nests. Four, be careful where you step. These animals have different standards of hygiene, to say the least, and take great pleasure in leaving their droppings everywhere. Like rabbits, they are not above eating it and might just expect the same of you. Be aware. And enjoy the tour of the political zoo by Michael Savage. Michael Savage, a host like no other. I'll give you a choice. Of course, you can't vote. Should I read about Alec Baldwin? I can't wait to see what I wrote about him. Or Nancy Pelosi. She's too easy. Let me do Baldwin Okay, Alec Baldwin, and I gave each of the people entered in the political zoo a Latin binomial, genus and species, no talentus anti-Americanus. The Santa Monica stuffed turkey is a corpulent bird with an increasingly thick wattle. This unlovely fowl promises to fly the coop after every election until remembering that it can't fly at all. The bird has been spotted in the wild, but only in old movies. In reality, this indulged gobbler could not endure for a long weekend among its free-ranging kin. Although a member of the chicken family, it occasionally threatens to kill and dismember certain elected officials and their families. It is also known to attack the annoying Italian pest known as paparazzi, all the while feigning pacifism. The Santa Monica stuffed turkey is the largest, roundest, and most malodorous of its family and genus and an easy target for hunters eager to thin the turkey population. <laughs> so I'll read more about Alec Baldwin from the political zoo for fun. Because he should be arrested for negligent homicide in my estimation. He was the producer of that movie and he, he's the one who shot the gun. You know, Annie Oakley, I didn't know the gun was loaded. It's your job to know whether the gun was loaded. And by the way, when that happened, I said, did somebody sabotage the movie? I was roundly attacked all over the internet for that. But it's starting to look like somebody sabotaged that movie. Anyway... Here's the opening. Alec Baldwin is one of the most versatile actors in Hollywood. His acting just doesn't translate very well to the screen. Indeed, in movies, he shows all the versatility of a toaster. 
Once outside of his plush Santa Monica habitat, however, he really starts acting, acting up, that is, or acting out, and in the process, exercising the demons that haunt him. We all remember when on national TV, in a manic tirade that prefigured Howard Dean, he threatened to stone Congressman Henry Hyde and his family to death. Hyde's sin was to help impeach a lying, obstructing president. Baldwin's response was to threaten to lead a Malibu mob with pitchforks and torches to defend the honor of Bill Clinton. Oh, those were the days. Of late, Baldwin has been only slightly more successful in resuscitating his career than Gary Coleman has with his. The stuffed turkey plays the occasional cameo in movies requiring a fat guy and appears every now and then on Will and Grace, TV's weekly gay pride parade. Mostly, however, he shows up in left coast courtrooms to do battle with his lovely ex-wife, Kim Bassinger, who had the good sense to shake and bake. Recent photos indicate that this turkey is inclined to pre-stuff itself with every kind of fattener, from tube steak to starch out of the box. In other words, hide the Cheetos, Martha, here comes Bigfoot. Yet notice that he still tries to cram his 18-inch neck into a 15-inch shirt. The rest of the waddle spills over his collar in the style of his mentor, the gelatinous Senator Edward Kennedy. Yet, in a classic bit of Malibu logic, the one thing that's not so smart Alec won't eat is goose pate. Why? Because our rock-throwing stoner claims the geese who provide this snobbish delicacy are mistreated. The stuffed turkey felt so strongly about this injustice that he publicly cried, foul, and now spends his otherwise idle days fighting for goose rights. No, I'm not kidding. He even reached out to the dying Pope John Paul II. Your words would do a world of good for God's animals, he pontificated to the astonished pontiff. Maybe Baldwin confuses real life with a plot from one of his cheesy made-for-cable movies. I can see the scene now. Pope Santa Monica won. More jowls and hair, perhaps, than people expect in a pope. But Jolly, nonetheless, meets with his trusted cardinal confidant, skillfully played by Alan Alda. Your Holiness, where would you like to start today, says the cardinal. AIDS in Botswana, famine in Bangladesh, pedophilia in Boston? No, says the pontiff with great solemnity, rubbing his ample stubble. First things first, I need to deal with this horrific goose pate situation. Next thing you know, Baldwin will be urging his equally daft crony, Richard Gere, to have the Dalai Lama intercede. But it gets worse. The same Malibu logic that rebels against goose whacking is A-OK with partial birth abortion. Indeed, this turkey has no problem with crushing the skull of a near full-term fetus and sucking out the brain, provided, of course, it is not the skull of a goose. He'll tell you as much himself and expect you to understand, his fans do. Of course, this kind of wisdom is not unique to the stuffed turkey. It infects his whole side of the aisle. His foul-minded philosophy has elevated Baldwin to a position of authority within the Democratic Party. In fact, at the 04 Democratic National Convention, the powers that be put Baldwin on a panel to discuss the Supreme Court. What? Was senior judicial analyst Brad Pitt not available? But before you start scratching your head and asking what kind of expertise a Baldwin brother could possibly have about our highest judiciary, let me remind you of his credentials. After all, he played the assistant DA in Gosa, Mississippi. His film company produced a cable movie on the Nuremberg trials. By Democrat standards, that would move him up to scholar status. Heck, maybe he should have replaced Rehnquist. Still, what most people remember of Alec, the political blowhard, is his claim that he would leave the country should George W. win the 2000 election. Bon voyage, moron. Now Baldwin denies he ever made the claim. Sorry, Alec, 
Such stale acting may have cut it in Pearl Harbor, but not while Savage holds the keys to the cages. Alec Baldfaced Lie had his original statement caught on tape and verified by people with an earshot. People like his own wife. Oh, if only he had flown south for the winter. We could have finally been rid of one of the shrillest birds in the Hollywood cage. And Alec might have made some Guatemalan theater troupe very happy. That's Michael Savage's entry on Alec Baldwin from his satirical book, The Political Zoo, written in 2006. For your listening entertainment, I'm Michael Savage. Share this with 10 others. Thank you. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. All right, welcome back to the Savage Nation uh, podcast, especially to our real national zoo. We now focus on leftist irrationalis Nancy Pelosi. With its large beak and small head, the distempered rainbow parakeet caused with great frequency and volume, yet lacks mental capacity to emit anything original or intelligent. Fortunately, the bird has developed an adaptation that helps it to cope with this problem. The beak's large upper mandible is notched for its little bird foot to fit in. Decked with bright blue plumage, the female of the species mates for life usually, with strong and crafty males capable of building large nests and stashing a surplus of fruits and nuts therein. Not only does this preserve the pair from want, but also frees the female to spend nearly all of its waking hours bobbling through the jungle, screeching at any animals not of its flock, and pretending to care about those that have no nests and food at all. Although its original habitat was Maryland, the breed has since migrated to the San Francisco Bay Area, where it aggressively climbed the political pecking order. Today, it can be found both in California and Washington, D.C., chirping away mindlessly in either environ. Curiously, aside from its lower-than-average intelligence, the parakeet suffers from one prominent congenital disability. It is only capable of flapping about in circles, primarily because it is born with only a left wing. We are talking about Nancy Pelosi today in the political satire, the political zoo. And I'll continue now. If by now you haven't realized that the chattering charlatan Nancy Pelosi is not the brightest bird in the rainforest, then you're dimmer than she is. Not that she's all feathers and no brains. In an impressive show of strategic intelligence several decades ago, the rainbow parakeet pecked out a wealthy and ambitious mate and hitched onto his green-hued tail feathers in a flight from her native Baltimore to San Francisco. There, as the couple feathered their nest with a lucrative real estate business, she was able to pursue politics and develop a nicely feigned concern for the poor. The daughter of a Baltimore mayor, this parakeet set her sights on ruling the Democrat nest in a West Coast habitat. Amazingly, when she first ran for the House, she ran to the right of San Francisco supervisor Harry Britt. But then again, as a gay activist and a member of the Democratic Socialist Organizing Committee, Britt didn't leave much room to the left. Over time, as her district grew grayer and grayer, thus blonder, the adaptive congresswoman took on a rainbow hue. Today, as the House Minority Leader, Nancy Lugosi is the out-front representative for the Democrats in the House of Representatives. Remember, this was written in 2006. She is now the most powerful woman in the world. Politically, that's about as attractive as having Janet Reno represent Victoria's Secret. But who could disagree that this old bird has finally arrived? 
As the chief parakeet on the perch, nattering Nancy never lets an opportunity slide to squawk out a few passing shots at the political opposition. Tell her, for instance, that there's been an upturn in the economy and she'll chirp that it's at the expense of those who don't have jobs. An announcement of a new medical breakthrough will inspire her to cackle about its slowness in coming and the lack of universal health coverage. For all her native color, she tends to think in black and white. When asked about a democratic plan of action in 2005, she responded boldly, why should we put a plan out? Our plan is to stop him. He must be stopped. This discretion has nothing to do with valor because the he has nothing to do with Osama or al-Zakiri. The he is her president, or at least our president, that he got 15% of the vote in her district. Even al-Zakiri would have beat Bush in San Francisco. These wackos would go al-Sharia before they'd go Republican. As the animal keepers here at the zoo have noted, unless the rainbow parakeet's beak is clamped, it's difficult to keep it from squawking. Not too long ago, this bird boldly proclaimed, apparently before checking with her staff, her congressional colleagues, or even the newspapers, that the war in Afghanistan was over. When she saw the jaws of the journalists in attendance hit the ground, she finally asked, I assume the war in Afghanistan is over, or is the contention you have that it continued? That's Nancy Pelosi. The war in Afghanistan is over? I guess Pelosi didn't put a plan out on that one either. Wouldn't this world be a better place if our elected officials picked up a newspaper once in a while that wasn't written by them and for them? Also last year when the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that state and local governments could use eminent domain to take nests of private citizens and turn them over to birds of a brighter feather, the rainbow real estate queen confused could with had to. She apparently presumed that since it was the court liberals who voted for this decision, they did so infallibly, as always. Not missing a beat, this parakeet loyally chirped that the Supreme Court decision was almost as if God has spoken. For the court's decision to be challenged, she insisted that a constitutional amendment was needed. Imagine how the rainbow parakeet felt when she was reminded that hers is supposed to be the party of the little people, and besides, the decision did not affect the state's ability to limit eminent domain. What's more, one particular state already had a law in the books to accomplish just that. What state was that, you ask? California. One of the few states that Pelosi had actually heard of, and a portion of which she is alleged to represent. And while Republicans sat in grateful, wide-eyed amazement at her appropriately parakeet brain suggestion, even a Democratic staffer admitted to the Capitol Hill Press, quote, a generation of schoolhouse rock gets this and she doesn't. And if her current high perch is not enough to induce a national case of vertigo, imagine the state of affairs should her party retake Congress. The rainbow parakeet would most likely emerge as Speaker of the House, third in line for the most powerful position in the world's pecking order. Whatever your misgivings about the people in power, I'd be down on my knees praying that Dickie's artificial heart keeps ticking. If this parakeet was ever allowed to turn the Oval Office into the rainbow room, you and I would be reminiscing about the good old days of the Clinton era. That's almost chilling as I read this right now from the political zoo. I'm Michael Savage. Share this with a few, would you? Well, folks, I have an interesting thing for you. I've been getting request after request from people wanting me to republish an updated version of the great book, The Political Zoo. And The Political Zoo is reopening. And if you're interested in a revised, updated edition of the Savage Classic, would you be interested in pre-ordering when we have the details? Because I need to know how many people might want to acquire this book in order to decide whether or not to invest the time and funds to do so. So here's the email address if you're interested in this book, savageclubexclusive at gmail.com. 
Once again, if you're interested in getting a revised edition of the Political Zoo and would like to reorder it, we must hear from you at savageclubexclusive at gmail.com. Once again, contact us at savageclubexclusive at gmail.com. Thank you very much. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Well, for the end of the week podcast, we're going to replay my segments on Newsmax for those of you who may have missed them. Last Saturday on The Count, I discussed the election and family values, which were key to all of them. Of course, no one else mentioned family values. It's considered an antiquated, archaic term, but that's what happened in Virginia. Next guest shares similar views with me. Joining me now to discuss this is the Michael Savage Show podcast host, Michael Savage himself. Sir, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Carl. What a week we had, huh? Woo. Big week. Yeah, I mean, Seattle, of all places, a new Republican mayor in Seattle, right? Americans are waking up to what the progressive left is doing with its woke socialist agenda. I have to agree with Carville, but even a broken watch is right twice a day. <laughs> it was an electoral earthquake in Virginia. Republicans won three top spots brushed aside by the media. Why? Everyone says, why, why, why? Remember the man getting beaten up who stood up for his daughter who had been raped by the so-called man and a girl and a guy in a skirt? Yeah. Uh, and then the, then the school board said there was no such incident when, in fact, it had been reported. It's a crazy story. Parents stood up, never get between a mother bear and her cub. People are fed up with the transgender agenda in schools. The critical race theory, which is really not the proper name, Carl. It's really attack white people agenda. Everyone knows what it is if you really study it. And yes, it is taught in elementary schools, right. despite what the, what the liars on the left are saying. So I believe it was an attack on family values that triggered these turnouts. And before I say another word, as Jesus taught, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Right. So I'm not casting stones. I am not a perfect man. I'm a flawed man, but I believe in tolerance. But now I'd like to see some tolerance for traditional family values, such as for the church going Christians, such yeah. as for religious Jews. And Carl, we all know, famously, the Romans threw Christians to the lions. Well, what the hell does that have to do with now? These young fanatics, these yeah. young fanatics are very much like the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia, which led to the deaths of one and a half million Cambodians who didn't comply with their fanaticism. The Romans threw Christians to the lions. The communists burned churches and killed priests and nuns. People don't know that. You're a military hero. I have a friend who spent special forces Vietnam. He's still crazed from what he saw in the, the, the city. Uh, I forget right. the city of flowers, the flower city. He went into that city. He was one of the first troops in there. He saw hands coming up from the earth of nuns. He couldn't believe it. Yeah. They killed nuns. They killed priests. And the progressives of today are on the same trajectory. I know people say, come on, it'll never happen here. Nonsense. It can happen here. And well, the fact of the matter is we have to stand up. And in our own way, the mothers in Virginia stood up. They had enough of a daughter being raped. Did you hear what the mother of the guy in a dress yeah. said the other day? Oh, he didn't mean it. Or, yeah, it was, it was an accident. No, he did. He wanted sex in the bathroom, and she should have stopped him. The 15-year-old girl, she said, was strong enough to stop him. Yeah. This is how... 
crazy these people yeah. are. It, well, and we, it's going to take know, crazies to save us. Believe Michael, me. I got to jump in here, though. But one of the big things you talked about, about between mother and a cub, never do that. Don't get between a father and a cub either. The, the <laughs> issue here, you had one candidate who says, parents, you have no say in our education whatsoever. You have no say in the curriculum. And the other candidate says, you absolutely have a say, and I want to hear what it is. And that message won resoundingly in a place that Biden won by double digits. Yeah, well, as I say, traditional family values, I know those are such antiquated words. Nancy Reagan was 100% right, and she said it was family values then, mm -hmm. but they haven't gone away. People forget that many Americans still go to church, and if they don't go to church, they still read the Rock of Ages. I mean, I have this highly referenced Bible that I've had for 40 years. I was going to say, you should I take better notes. You should take better notes in that thing, Well, I should, in case you need to find something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a religious man per se. Yeah. I don't go to a formal temple or church regularly, right. but I do know God exists. And the fact of the matter is I'm not alone in that. Yeah. And the more we understand that there's a higher power, the more we can understand what we have to do on this planet. Do we have time for one story? Well, I, I got about 30 seconds left, but you are absolutely right on that, sir, in the sense that, you know what, our rights, they don't come from man, they don't come from government, they do come from God. And that's, that is a fundamental core principle of the American way. Uh, I, I, real quick, what is the take, like, what do you think the Democrats are going to do with this? You think they're going to change or they're going to go more no. woke? Oh, no, no, no. They've doubled down. They've gotten worse. They've dug their heels in the fanatics like Jayapal. God knows where she came from, where what she's thinking. Occasional cortex whose brain works about 30 percent of the time. They said they lost because they weren't progressive enough. No, fanatics <laughs> never, ever modify their position. They get worse. And so the only answer is fight fire with fire. Don't give in to them or we'll lose it all. Yeah. Those are my words tonight. But there's a story I will tell in another time about what happened in Russia to an ultra orthodox Jewish rabbi who would not give up on God. It's an amazing story. It's worthy of telling at another time. Carl, thanks for having me on tonight on the Newsmax show today. I love being with you. When you were in combat, did your men did your men pray to God at, at time from time to time? When the lead starts flying, you pray to anything you think you might help that might help. I'll, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it is it is something. I also when I was also over there, I never thought I'd be sitting here talking to the great Michael Savage. So thank you for joining us tonight, sir. Wow. Coming from you that made my day. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thank you All so right. much. This Tuesday on the Grant Stinchfield Show, I discussed how the court system, meaning the Supreme Court, may be the only way to stop the radical leftist, insane, anti-American Biden gang from taking us down even further. So what can we do as we the people? A far more unified force than our Republicans in Congress, and I believe we're more unified than the radicals around the country. For answers to this very important question, we turn now to one of my all-time favorite radio and podcast hosts, the man who leads the Savage Nation, Dr. Michael Savage is here. Dr. Savage, great to have you back on the show. Grant, Grant thanks for inviting me on the show. If history has taught mankind anything, it is never permit too much power to accrue within a personal political party. Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Lord Acton wrote that. And only the courts can... the can stop the Biden gang. It's only through the courts. There are many examples. The fact of the matter is you go back to FDR, who, by the way, was more influenced by Mussolini than people understand. And FDR, who was a crypto fascist himself, rammed through 
policies along the lines of this stuff that Biden's pushing through the National Industrial Recovery Act, the uh, NRA. And I have to tell the story, Grant. It was four Jewish butchers from Europe who sued Franklin Delano Roosevelt, went to jail, came out of jail after four months. It went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court ruled unanimously that FDR's NIRA violated the Commerce Clause and that even in extraordinary conditions, Congress may not exceed its constitutional limits. And so FDR was stopped in his tracks by four kosher butchers who sued him because he tried to tell them how to sell chickens, if you can believe this. And this is a story for all of us to remember. Where are the Republicans suing this administration to get those guys out of jail? I've never heard of this. Where's habeas corpus? How did this happen to this country? You know, we see guys like Ken Paxton, the attorney general in Texas. He's done a great job of suing this administration. Um, But we don't see anything when it comes to the January 6th. And I do believe that that is political persecution. Do you think we should just be leaving it up to Republican attorneys general across the country? Or can (laughs) we get four more Jews, four more Christians? I don't care who it is. Let's get people like you and me suing this administration. Somebody's got to step up and do it. Aren't the people who are being held against their will without due process, aren't they suing this government to get free? We hear about human rights violations in China. We hear about human rights violations in China and in other countries. This is a human rights rights violation. These people should be freed, all of them, and the court should adjudicate the case as to whether or not they belong in prison. I've never seen anything like this. So, and it's going to take only so lawsuits. Savage, Let's be, lawsuits. Only a lawsuit will stop this maniac in his administration. It's the only thing they've used to get where they are, Grant. Are the courts. The ACLU I agree is now with you. going to give every bum coming over the border $450,000. The ACLU, who the hell are they? Who made them the government in exile? All right. If you can, in about 30 seconds, how concerned are you over the next 14 months now that they're resigned to losing? I think Nancy Pelosi's resigned to losing, that they are going to ram this communist manifesto down the American people's throats. How concerned are you? 30 seconds. How concerned am I? I don't think they give a damn about polls. Remember, and I don't want to make a a comparison between the two. Hitler only had 33 percent of the vote when he became chancellor. You don't need more than a, plur- than a small plurality in order to become the leader of a country, especially, especially when you have a system like we do with a rotten two-party system where there are no elections along the way as you would have in a parliamentary system. We're stuck with this bum for another three years. He can destroy everything almost forever. And so we have to start getting ourselves together. We have no political party to represent us. The Republicans are inactive. They must have cashed in, Grant. I think you must agree with us that they were paid off in their districts with all of this trillions of dollars in spending, and they could care less what happens to the people. Dr. Savage, I'll tell you this. Last night on this program, Matt Gates, congressman, said that leadership told them behind closed doors, don't be too mad at the 13 who voted for the infrastructure bill. Many of them are retiring. This is a quote from leadership, according to Gates. Many of them are retiring. They're going to need lobbyist jobs. Cut them some slack. That's what we're up against in Washington. Dr. Savage, as always. I have a gift for Joe Biden, which is something every Boy Scout gets. Since he's lost his bearings, perhaps a Boy Scout compass would help him find his way out of the woods. (laughs) 
Let me tell you something. Dr. Savage, I love your show and tell. Every time, you got to keep that up every time you come on the program because it's show awesome and tell. makes the point. Not everybody likes show and tell. <laughs> Good. Well, I do, buddy. Thank you for coming on as this Wednesday on the Cortez and Pellegrino Newsmax TV show, I discussed how four Jewish butchers stopped the socialist FDR in 1935. It's an amazing story that I was able to compress in less than two minutes. How far the mighty have fallen. Check out this latest USA Today Suffolk poll. The number one thing the American people want Biden to do in the next year, it's not improve the economy or securing the border. No, they just want him out of here. <laughs> At this point, there is only one thing that could stop Biden from pushing his extreme agenda through Congress. And here to discuss that is the host of the Savage Nation podcast, Dr. Michael Savage. Dr. Savage, it is always great to see you. So you're saying there's some hope here. There's no indication of Biden stepping down like 20 percent of Americans uh, would probably appreciate, probably more of them. Uh, but with Democrats holding the majority right now, how can he be stopped before these abysmal policies reach a point of no return? Fortunately, we still live in a country where we have a U.S. Supreme Court. Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. We all heard that. But I want to talk tonight about a chicken. It's all about a chicken. It's the ALA Sheck, the Poultry Corp versus United States, 1935. And it's how four Jewish butchers brought down the first New Deal. Remember, New Deal, New Deal, Green New Deal came from FDR. FDR was a dictator, an, an arriving dictator. He was expanding as a dictator, and he wanted price controls even on chickens. So how does this play out? And this is really important because it's going to happen again. The government steps in and tells these kosher butchers, you cannot sell single chickens to people. You have to sell entire coops to chick of, of chickens to people, right? And they said, no, we can't do that because our kosher food laws permits people to pick a particular chicken that is healthy. I know it sounds crazy. They wouldn't yield. They wouldn't do what the government wanted them to do to lower prices, which is sell entire coops of chickens. These four immigrant Jews went to jail rather than conform to the overreaching U.S. government. They went to prison and they sued FDR, saying that it violated the Commerce Clause. And what happened was, is they won. And the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that Congress may not exceed its constitutional limits. That is, Congress had no legitimate power to delegate what amounted to lawmaking power to the National Recovery Act. And FDR lost. And this is interesting, Jen. This was such a seminal blow to FDR, who was a power-mad lunatic, that is when he said, I want to pack the U.S. Supreme Court with more justices so I can control the outcome of the courts. People don't know that his court packing scheme derived from him, lo him losing the ALA Sheck, the Poultry Corp versus the United States. And he lost. He lost. And boy, did he lose big. And as a result, he did not have the power to tell people what they could sell in a store and what prices they could charge. It's an important story, Jen, because it's going to happen again as we move into this hyperinflation right now. People don't know this, Jen. This is an important point. Roosevelt's advisors were influenced not by socialism, but by fascism. They were explicitly influenced by Mussolini. And he and Roosevelt had something of a mutual admiration society. People don't know this. FDR was not so much a socialist. He was a crypto fascist who admired Mussolini. That's a topic for another night, but it all comes down to a chicken. 
I wish I had a chicken to show you. I try to get a chicken for the show, a rubber chicken, but we couldn't find one. This will have to what do. What is that? Is I that don't a know. It's a toy ducky? for my dog that I found <laughs> while searching the house for a rubber chicken. I found this absurd little thing because I well, want I'm people sure to rec- <laughs> It all boils sure your dog down to is very chicken. entertained by that. Usually the, the weirder the toys, the more they love them. Um, but how do you foresee, uh, Dr. Savage, how does this play out for Biden? Well, he doesn't know what the hell is going on. And people say, well, I can't wait till he's gone. I actually pray for Biden because if you think Biden is bad and he is, he's stumbling around, he's doing everything wrong. We all realize that Harris is probably factors worse than him. The woman doesn't know what the hell she's doing. She has a lower approval rating than Congress, which is hard to believe. And of course, she's only a factotum of the Getty Pelosi machine in San Francisco. If you want to see what happens to America, just come to San Francisco and take a look. The stores are being cleaned out by gangs. The DA is not not arresting, uh, not prosecuting them after they're arrested. They're walking into liquor stores and rolling out with carts of liquor. The cops have handcuffs on themselves. If that's what people want in the United States of America, they're going to get it if Biden steps down. I say we should pray for Biden every night, not pray for his demise. Yeah, indeed, we should. Uh, Dr. Savage, when are you moving to Florida or to Texas? <laughs> well, I actually have a property in Florida that I have owned since 2009. And people are saying, why don't you move there? And my answer is blood and soil. I love Northern California. I love the climate. I'm a boater. I like the change of the seasons here. It's not that I don't love Florida, but I live here. The few friends that I've let into my life live here. I love seeing the fog come in, but Pelosi didn't create the fog. I love watching the fog go out through the Golden Gate Bridge, but Pelosi doesn't blow the fog out through the Golden Gate Bridge. God does. God has given us this beautiful, beautiful area, and I'm not running so fast. And all I can say is the courts shall decide and let's get these <laughs> cases to the let's get the cases to the U.S. Supreme Court. Everyone should remember ALA yes. Schecter Poultry Corp versus United States 1935. They put him back on his heels and it could happen again. Dr. Michael Jen, Savage. Thank Learned you for having a lot me on tonight. this great show. Love it. Thank you so much, my friend. Great to see you. Thanks again for having me. Great night to be here. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. Now we have a special treat for you. I received many requests from my core audience to play my old Graham Hancock pieces. I did them over many years while on the radio. We're going to play a few for you right now on the podcast. Now, keep in mind, these may be a little dated as some of them were created almost 20 years ago. But in my opinion, they're radio classics and you're very lucky to hear them. We found them for you. This is Graham Hancock on special assignment with Michael Savage reporting from the field. Today, we're examining the question of what happened. What created Johnny Jihad? What were the forces that molded this unfortunate man's life? Here, we attempt to to demonstrate what happened, the reasons. We now take you to the imaginary home of the boy Taliban. In A Day in the Life of the Boy Taliban, Johnny Jihad, Fairfax, California, a town without pity. And we imagine a scene such as this may have occurred. Little boy Taliban has just soiled his diaper. He has then picked up the diaper and said, and smeared it on the wall. Oh, Johnny, what did you do? Honey, that is... Oh, honey. How dare you interfere with our son's creative abilities, you... 
chauvinist pig. Oh, God. Don't you realize that's as good as any Renoir? <sighs> Our son is destined to be a great artist. But if you don't stop interfering, he'll end up in the gutter. Besides, it's a rental. Let those bourgeois pigs take care of the mess. Next scene I would imagine would be Johnny Boy in school being asked to do the Pledge of Allegiance. Although in Fairfax, California, the pledge has been banned since the Civil War, we would imagine at some point in his early days of schooling, he might have been asked to do the Pledge of Allegiance. I refuse to do the Pledge of Allegiance. My mother says I don't have to. You know, I'm not going to waste my time pledging my allegiance to a bunch of dead old white men. Besides, this is a pig nation. Who wants to be a part of it anyway? Oh, in the next scene, the teacher turns him on to smoking pot. Johnny. Oh, teach. What's happening, dude? Are you still smoking those lucky strikes? Uh, yeah, it's all I can afford, man. Come on over here. Let me expand your horizons. Whoa. Little Kuna Gold for you. Kuna Gold, huh? I'll take some of that. The next scene is, of course, a hardened convict from San Quentin who's out on work release, and his work is teaching children multiculturalism. When you're incarcerated, you begin to understand that there is a general oppression that exists in our country. And what we need is liberation from that oppression. And when you find a higher state of consciousness connected to the greater source of understanding, that is a point in time at which your mind is liberated and the shackles of intellectual control are thrown off and you're able to function on a higher level being free from the laws and the conscience. Next scene is he's in Tamiskel High School, a school for special troublemakers. He's trying to grow corn. He puts the corn on the ground and steps on it with his foot. Dude, I don't know why I should have to water this corn. I mean, it's natural, you know? I put it in the ground, I cover it with the soil, let nature do the rest. It's really taking me down that I have to do so much work in order to create my food, man. I don't know. My mom never raised me to do this kind of thing. Help me. I'm completely lost. How about Johnny's first date? Johnny, what's the matter with you? Why won't you kiss me? Don't you like me? You have germs. Um, you're a girl, and... What, you don't like girls? What's your problem? I hate my mother. So, can't you have more sensitivity for me? I'm going through something really difficult. <laughs> How about we take you to Johnny Jihad's cousin in Berkeley, California? There's no actual uh, released evidence that links Osama Bin Laden to this. Seems to be genetic. Our parents taught us not to hit when we were young, not to hit back. And that's exactly what we're doing. After being indoctrinated by the liberal left, Johnny had one final discussion with his father that sent him running off to the side of the Taliban. Regarding the USS Cole, Johnny, I just think it was downright wrong. Oh, you've got to be kidding, Dodd. That was a completely justifiable act of self-defense on behalf of the Yemen people. Oh, I can't take this anymore, dudes. I'm going off to war. I'm going to fight imperialism and greed and corporate control. I can't take it anymore. It is uncertain what motivated Johnny Jihad to go off to war to take the side of the enemy. 
But here, Michael, is a final addendum to this story. Last week, just hours before Taliban and Al-Qaeda prisoners began their uprising in the northern Afghan fortress of Kalajongi, CIA agents interviewed Johnny Jihad. The interrogation, which took place shortly before one of the agents, Michael Spann, was killed, was videotaped by an Afghan cameraman. There you have it, up to this point. Back to you, Michael Savage. This is Graham Hancock with a special report by Michael Savage, who is in the field. Michael has ventured into the hinterlands of Marin County to examine the cultural abyss experienced by Rat Boy. Here is his report. We have an update for you on Rat Boys High School in Marin County, California. A curriculum was anonymously sent to us by a former student of Thomaskal High School, the home of Rat Boy. We were astonished to discover that the following courses were accepted as academic equivalents. In Rat Boys High School, for example, we learned that if a student wakes up stoned out of his gourd from the night before from partying or too much guitar playing, too much cheap red wine and bongoing, he can call in sick. Oh, teach, it's me, dude. I'm not coming in today. I'm gonna lay on the floor while I recover from last night and stare at my kitty all day. Uh, oh, kitty. We were shocked to find out this qualified for Ecology 100, the animal-human bond. Astonishingly, if a student in a warm month decided to go to the beach all day, hang out, smoke dope, and not report to school, all he had to do was call his teacher at Rat Boy High School and tell him he was whale-watching or seal-searching or gull-gazing. Oh, teach! I went to the beach, and we're here watching the whales, man! It's blowing my mind! The seagulls are flying over! Ah! I don't know if I can handle much more of this reality. <laughs> if a student went to a ghetto to purchase drugs, he could call in and say that he was doing anthropology, and that satisfied the Anthro 100 requirement, buying drugs in a ghetto. Teach, I'm at my pushers. Uh, we're doing a social experiment. Oh, no, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I won't be back for a while. I'll, I'll be too stoned. <laughs> we were shocked to find that if a girl wanted to hang out at a mall all day, that would satisfy the requirements for American Studies 100. Hey, Teach, um, I have to go to the mall today to get myself a pair of Doc Martens and some black lipstick and the new Marilyn Manson album. Astonishingly, we discovered that if a student smoked upwards of 10 cigarettes in an eight-hour period, that qualified for investigating corporate ripoffs, i.e., the tobacco industry and how it seduces children into smoking. Oh, those evil corporate giants forcing me to accept this tobacco addiction. Oh, I'm gonna riot or sue or something when I'm finished with the smoke. And what about lunch? If they go to the neighboring Japanese restaurant and they clasp their hands together and bow, that qualifies for Multicultural Studies 200 Advanced interaction with an ethnic. Oh, konnichiwa. <laughs> oh, I'll have some sushi and some sake. <laughs> and shockingly, we discovered that one radical teacher, now this was not accepted at the school, recommended that if a young lady who terminated her pregnancy by throwing the aborted fetus in a dumpster would get course credit for political activism, even that was too much for the elders 
of the school. Haven't you yet understood that a boy is a dog, is a pig, is a rat? Well, you just need to understand this. If it gets in your way, get rid of it. Vandalism of a Republican's property was considered Ecology 101, gearing up for future work in Seattle and Genoa. Ruckus uh, camp in the summer, when they went to the Big Daddy Ruckus camp in Berkeley and learned how to riot, how to hurt police without getting hurt back, how to wrap their arms in metal tubes, how to go limp when being thrown into a police van. This was considered the sin qua non of poli-sci, advanced political science. There's no actual uh, released evidence that links Osama bin Laden to this. Religion 100 at Rat Boy High, I was astonished to learn, consisted of studying witchcraft and or paganism. The five major religions of the world were not permitted to be discussed at the high school. Crafts involved included mixing the blood of a dead squirrel with the feather of a turkey vulture and chanting in some intelligible lingo in the backyard of Rat Boy High. And this qualified for Religion 100. And so, as I say, Graham, this is a full curriculum. A full curriculum, mind you, at Rat Boy High School according to a former student, that is, who wants to remain anonymous. Well, there you have it, a special report from Michael Savage in the field. Now we're throwing it back to you, the Savage audience. What do you think would be course curriculum for Rat Boy High School? Give us a call at 1-800-449-8255. Now it's your turn to add to the curriculum course right here on the Savage Nation. We need to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more. Stay tuned to the Savage Nation podcast. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. Let's finish out today's podcast with a couple of more pieces from my great Graham Hancock archives. Enjoy them while you can. This is Graham Hancock reporting from the laboratory of the noted scientist Severino Antonari. He is now attempting to create the ultimate super being gathering the necessary biological components to begin what is considered to be one of the most controversial explorations into cloning ever attempted in human history. Dr. Antonori, how did you decide how to create what is considered to be the ultimate superhuman being? Well, Grandma Handcock, we have uh, found that we could go back in history uh, and uh, uh, we could take from, uh, for example, we have uh, the, uh, uh, we found a piece of hair from Albert Einstein, uh, and from this we have extracted the left part of the brain. Then we have gone to America, uh, we have assembled a piece of the sweat sock of Michael Jordan. And from this, we got DNA, we create the body of Michael Jordan. Uh, then uh, we have gone to Hollywood, California. We got the male member from John Holmes. You know, this thing is huge. You got to see this. Then we uh, go to Diane Feinstein home. We have the, uh, you know, the Chinese president. And we go to chopsticks. We're from the saliva of the chopsticks. We have uh, taken the DNA and create the right brain for the superhuman. And then we got from Jim Thorpe, the Native American, who is a great athlete. We got the calves and the Achilles heel. And last but not least, 
We got from Jesse Jackson, from his mistress, uh, from the bathroom of her home. We have the DNA from Jesse Jackson, and we have created the ultimate male voice in this, this superhuman being. All together, these pieces of this puzzle create something that is uh, beyond any other human being on this planet. Uh, and no one can dispute that this is uh, not only the superhuman being, uh, but uh, the man of the new uh, millennium. <laughs> so what you're saying, Dr. Antonari, is that you have taken the hair of Albert Einstein, you've taken a sweat sock, created the body, you've taken something from... John Holmes and created the male member, and from the saliva of the chopsticks of the Chinese president, you have created the right brain, and from Jim Thorpe, you have created the calves and the, the Achilles heel, and last but not least, you have taken some DNA from the bathroom of the mistress of Jesse Jackson and created the ultimate male voice. Yes, you are correct. This is a most amazing thing. Uh, we do not know yet what the future holds for this process of cloning, but uh, we think that uh, whatever it will be, uh, we will try to create now a person uh, from Diane Feinstein, Barbara Boxer, and uh, perhaps Jenna Reno, and we'll have the ultimate woman. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. This is Graham Hancock reporting from the laboratory of Servino Antonori. Back to you, Michael Savage. This is Graham Hancock. I'm here outside of Disneyland. I'm at the International Clones Are Us convention. The violence is escalating as the clones are feeling more and more squeezed out of society. They want to be able to have their own day at Disneyland. They're chanting. Listen to these chants, ladies and gentlemen. It's very frightening. Clones only clones, only clones. No only. normals, no normals, no normals. Rallying the crowd is the world famous Jesse Jack's clone. Listen to me. Clones have rights too. You can't pay to try to live in clones. Iran, immoral. You can't take rights away from clones. Clones are people too. Clones are somebody. Clones are somebody. The clones are demanding their own special day at Disneyland. They want the normal people kept out so that they, the clones, can enjoy the day without the near and sneers of the regular human population. One can understand the feelings of the clones as they are peered upon by the normals. Clones want rights! Clones want rights! Give us our rights! Give us our rights! diversity! Stop discriminating against clones! Clones are people too! Ever since clones were introduced into our society, they feel that people have not accepted them because they aren't completely human. You must understand that clones need love too. Put an end to clonism! Clonism is wrong! From Disneyland, this is Graham Hancock signing off. Back to you, Michael Savage. This is Graham Hancock. I'm here in the home of Barbara Boxer, where she is attempting to create what she believes will be a future human being. In a matter of speaking, she's made a DNA cocktail using the mustache hair from Margaret Sanger for intelligence, the quill of a porcupine for self-defense. It's a rather grisly process, putting bits and pieces into the blender. I would go for that definition. Uh, Barbara, are you sure this technique is going to work? I would say it's elementary, 
that we must take this step. I mean, will you really try to create a human being? Of course that occurs when you use the stem cells and you transfer them into a woman's uterus. Ooh. As the process continues, she is now adding the retina of the wolf spider for vision, the skin of an alligator for toughness, fingernails of the female mountain gorilla for strength. She also has obtained skin from a facelift from Cher for talent, the sweat of Richard Gere for compassion, and last but not least, from the dental office of Hillary Clinton, she has tooth decay for speaking ability. Now, Mrs. Boxer, I understand that at some level, you are concerned about opposition to cloning. My friend is taking an extreme position which would shut down the research to make applied research possible. Well, I see. You are blending this concoction together in your bio-blender. We should allow research to continue. I see. To be able to bring our people cures to these diseases that plague them. I understand the process is very, very uh, streamlined. It creates a biological creation, brand new, nothing anyone's ever seen within a very short period of time. Oh. Oh, my God. What is it? Who's touched by these things? Who fears these things? I'm getting out of here. This is Graham Hancock, reporting from the kitchen of Barbara Box's home. I'm very upset about it. You might even call it Barbara Box's brave new world. You know, Michael, as they say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Back to you, Michael Savage. This is Graham Hancock on special assignment with Michael Savage in the field. Today, we are looking into the mind of a female suicide bomber. We're looking into the question of what makes a carefree, happy-go-lucky ambulance driver into a hardened killer. And now, here is Michael Savage with a special report. Today, we'll go inside the mind of a female suicide bomber in the Gaza Strip. Following in the footsteps of Wafa Aladris, a young woman driven to desperation, from saving lives to taking them. We'll ask such penetrating questions such as, what kind of clothing, what kind of garb does a female suicide bomber wear as she prepares to martyr herself by blowing up Jewish children? Wafa was always saying, I hope I will be a martyr, and I'm going to carry a bomb. We'll also look at the last meal of a female suicide bomber, where weight no longer matters. Her life and death were complicated. Her family says she seemed tormented. Wafa grew up poor in a refugee camp where now she's a celebrated role model. We'll ask her friends the intimate details in a female suicide bomber's sex life. Does she do it or doesn't she? Did she have a wild party with the girls the night before she goes to meet Allah? Does Allah permit a wild bacchanal before killing Jewish children? Does Wafa al-Sayed request ham and eggs as a last meal? And finally, we'll look into the mind, the psychology of a female suicide bomber. A nurse turns terrorist, but why? She loved children, but her husband divorced her because she couldn't have children of her own. This poor victim, when she found out she was infertile, she took her own life by killing the children of others, Jewish children, because she couldn't have her own. And what better way to reward God for this curse than killing someone else's children? A suicide note was found where she said her only regret 
was that she could not bring more suicide bombers into the world to kill more children of Jews. Female students all over the West Bank now say they'd like to do the same. And here we have a psychological profile of one of Yasser Arafat's female suicide bombers. Thank you, Yasser, for making the world a better place to live in. She was helping injured, and people were killed while she was in the ambulance, and maybe that affected her. Stay tuned, and we'll find out on this look into the mind of a suicide bomber of the female persuasion, right here on MSNBC. More snotty nonsense by Greek. And there you have it, savage listeners. The mind of a female suicide bomber. Back to you, Michael Savage. We love Gary. We love Gary. Grant Hancock here, Gary. reporting from the We Love Gary Condit Rally outside the Modesto, California headquarters. As you know, Congressman Condit is being ridiculed by thousands, even millions, after seeing last night's interview on prime time. People are showing support for Condit, carrying signs that read, Stick to your guns. Don't let us down. And even one small child wearing a t-shirt that says, Connie Chung, you suck. Re-elect Gary. Let us take our microphones over to the young lady. Hello, you are Madison Gray, president of the National Empowerment Alliance, or Enema. Yes, we believe Condit is the victim here. His private life is his own. Chandra was using him for personal gain, and all people have the right to have sex. I mean, how ridiculous. A victim? He's already taken the lie detector test. What more does he have to prove? Well, there you have it. Straight from Enema. Gary Condit is a victim, and there's no question that people are clearly on his side. Reporting from Molesto, Modesto, California, I'm Grand Hancock. Back to you, Michael Savage. Well, folks, I have an interesting thing for you. I've been getting request after request from people wanting me to republish an updated version of the great book, The Political Zoo. And The Political Zoo is reopening. And if you're interested in a revised, updated edition of the Savage Classic, would you be interested in pre-ordering when we have the details? Because I need to know how many people might want to acquire this book in order to decide whether or not to invest the time and funds to do so. So here's the email address if you're interested in this book, savageclubexclusive at gmail.com. Once again, if you're interested in getting a revised edition of The Political Zoo and like to reorder it, we must hear from you at savageclubexclusive at gmail.com. Once again, contact us at savageclubexclusive at gmail.com. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.